This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, the eighth day of September 2021. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. We're back. Been a uh, busy week with the uh, Labor Day holiday and the uh, uh, th- changes here at uh, at the studios at the house. Uh, it's been uh, a little insane. My wife actually leaves for the South. Um on Friday, she is being transferred. I'll still be up here kind of uh, uh, getting the house ready to go and uh, all kinds of fun like that. So uh, thanks for sh- sticking in there with us. And uh, sorry that we've been away for a couple of days, but we're here for the rest of the week. Dan Zampano will be coming up on Friday. Uh, of course, we have NFL football tomorrow. Lots of good stuff going on. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, get to all of that in a minute. I'm going to start this morning, as I do sometimes, uh, with something that's not about sports. And I can hear I can hear computers clicking off around the country right now. <coughs> Excuse me. I was watching the uh, Today Show this morning, as I do every morning, and they had a story on there about the uh, statue of Robert E. Lee in Richmond, Virginia, is being taken down. Now, this statue uh, has been there since 1890. Uh, it was actually uh, designed by a famous... Uh, sculptor and in uh, France and it was shipped over to the United States. This thing is huge. Uh, it stands like uh, uh, 21 feet high and uh, the the base is uh, 40 feet high. I mean, this thing is massive. It's like, it's, they said it's like six or seven stories. And it just, it's kind of the culmination in the systematic erasing of history that we have had in this country. Now, please don't get me wrong. I understand what Robert E. Lee stood for. I understand that he was the head of the Confederate Army. I understand the Confederate States. I understand slavery. I understand all of that. This has nothing to do with that. This is my um, disgust, and, and and I can't think of any other way to put it, than my disgust at how in this country we continue to try to erase history. What's interesting is, is in a time when in our school systems they are talking about this uh, uh, critical race theory and about how uh, we're going to be teaching our young kids more about race, more about how the Native Americans were treated by the Europeans when they came to this country, how the blacks were treated, Um, not just in slavery, but how they were treated going forward with even after slavery ended with the racism and the segregation and all that. And and that was touched on when I was a kid. But, you know, they didn't belabor it. 
Um, and, and, you know, it should be taught more. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, wanting to talk about the wrongs that were done to certain people in this country. The, the, the Chinese people were treated horribly in this country. The Irish were treated horribly in this country. We had a history in this country of treating people from other cultures badly. So I, I have no issue with talking about that more. I think it's important. I think we need to make sure that that is not repeated. But while we are doing that, we are also or and have been systematically erasing signs of the Confederacy and about what happened in this country by removing all these statues. As, and as if removing the statue is going to stop or, or erase what happened in this country. And I, you know, look, when, when this was done in 1890 and it was only, you know, 25 years after the Civil War ended, there were still, you know, the, the, a lot of pride in the Confederates, uh, Confederate states for, you know, the Confederate Army, even though they lost. And yes, Robert E. Lee was a revered figure. Yes, Robert E. Lee was also a slave owner as, by the way, were some U.S. presidents, but we won't get into that. But, I look, to me, why are we taking away all these statues? What is it going to do? It is a part of history. To me, it's more of a teaching moment. We should leave the statue there. We should put up signage or, or, or a display that, you know, puts it into context. But Robert E. Lee was a huge figure in this country for good or bad. And I don't think Robert E. Lee, by the way, was an evil person. Robert E. Lee was fighting for his. He wasn't even fighting for slavery. He was fighting for Virginia. He was fighting for uh, the way of life down south. You know, a lot of the people that fought down there, it wasn't whether they uh, most of the the soldiers that fought didn't have slaves. You know, they were fighting for their home. You know, states were so much bigger then than they are now. You know, being, uh, you know, being from uh, from Virginia was a big deal. Virginia, people had more affinity for the state of Virginia than they did for the federal government. It's just it, it was a different time. But erasing these statues, taking down the statues of Christopher Columbus, what, what is that serving? You know, what's next? You know, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, the, the, this, it isn't, it isn't, and I've seen people say, well, you know, it's, it's the same thing as if we had a, a statue of Hitler up. Well, no, well, no, it's not. You know, there is a big difference between what Robert E. Lee did what a lot of these Confederate generals did. They were doing a job for their, what they felt was their country when the South seceded from the United, or attempted to secede from the United States. They did not, they were not systematically rounding up black people and executing them. You know, like Hitler did with the Jews and, and other, you know, homosexuals and people that were crippled. And, you know, this is not the same. It's not. You know, so I have an issue with it. You know, uh, it's so funny now, you know, when I grew up, you know, Thomas Jefferson was a great president, you know, one of the greatest, you know, and, and yet now 
all people want to highlight when it comes to Thomas Jefferson is the fact that he had slaves and the fact that uh, he had children with one of his, his slaves was Sally Hemings. You know, it's, it's like we, it's part of, you know, just like somebody becomes a celebrity and the, the world wants to, or the, the, this country wants to find a way to tear down anybody who is a celebrity. It's just, it, it just bothers me. I'm not saying that the Confederate States was a good idea. I'm not saying what the South did was right. I'm not saying that slavery was right because we all know that it's not and wasn't. And segregation is not right. Racism is not right. But it doesn't change, you know, taking down the Robert E. Lee statue, which, by the way, is on the Registry of Historical Places in the United States, has been since 2007. Um, you know, it's considered a masterpiece. Uh, you know, taking down this statue and all the other statues doesn't change what happened in this country. And when you take those statues down and you put them away in a closet or wherever you're going to put them, you have wasted a opportunity for a teaching moment. There are ways that these statues could be preserved and used as educational sites. However, the general public will not allow that to happen. They completely defaced that monument down there. It's disgusting. Robert E. Lee had nothing to do with what happened to George Floyd. Nothing. The institution of slavery did not have anything to do with what happened to George Floyd and a lot of the other black. It, it had nothing to do with it. Racism did. And you can say, well, racism stems from slavery. No. Look, here's the thing. I mean, well, yes and no. <laughs> it's such a complicated subject. But at the end of the day, when slavery was abolished, you know, it would have been nice, but human nature doesn't work that way if we could have all just said, okay, this is where we were. This is where we're going. Let's just get on board. Well, we still don't have equality in this country. And it's not just blacks. It's, it's uh, Asians. It's, uh, I mean, look at the Asian hate that we've had. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, Arab Americans. It's uh, people that are homosexual, people that are, you know, whatever, transgender, you, you name it. We hate. It's the nature, and, and it's terrible, but it is the nature of mankind, not just here in America, across the world. We hate or we uh, try to tear down what we don't understand or what is different from us. And in the, only, the only way to correct that is education. I grew up in a town in, in Connecticut, small town. We had, I want to say six black people in my high school, a high school of a thousand people, 1200 people. We had, I think six black people there, maybe, maybe a few more. I, I didn't have a lot of, uh, exposure to that, to, to people that were, you know, of a different color than I was growing up, but I never, I didn't, I never hated them. I never uh, said bad things about them. I didn't, you know, it's because, because, why? Because my parents didn't teach that. My parents weren't racist. My parents, you know, and that's what this is all about. This is about us teaching our children. And yet when I went to college in New Hampshire, I went to college in New Hampshire, ladies and gentlemen, and, and by the way, if there's a whiter state in the country, there's probably not many. 
right? But I went to college in New Hampshire, and I got involved in, in, in the sports programs at, at Franklin Pierce, uh, especially the men's basketball team. And these were all guys from the inner cities of New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and uh, guys coming from the Bahamas. And they were all my best friends in college. My roommate was uh, one of the guys on the basketball team, a black guy from from, uh, the inner cities of New York, from Roosevelt, Long Island, Larry Leach. Great guy. Great basketball player, by the way. An All-American. And he was, uh, you know, he was from he was from the hood. And he was he's, he remains a good friend of mine, you know, and this is and I'm a guy that grew up in a town where there weren't any people of his color or very few. But my parents taught me the right way. And that's what we need to do. And when we continue to tear away history and tear away, tear down these statues and everything else, we don't we, we miss opportunities to teach our children. And that's a shame. I don't I don't know what the answer is. I'm not saying that we need to say Robert E. Lee was a great guy and we need to, you know, to worship at the feet of of the Confederate States of America. That's I mean, come on. But we don't have to erase history. You know, people the, the cancel culture thing is one of the things that's thrown around a lot. And and there's a lot of that. I mean, if if uh, if somebody does anything that uh, you don't think is right, all of a sudden oop, they're the worst thing ever and click. You know, it's like they didn't exist. And <laughs> that old thing, you know, and you see in the Italian families be like, yep, oh, he's dead to me, dead to me. Yeah, and that's what we do in this country. So now because of what happened to George Floyd, we, we are overreacting and tearing away our history. We need to teach our children properly. And that means having these symbols of and this look. It's not the cake. It's not a burning cross. It's not the symbol of the KKK. It's not Adolf Hitler. This is just a man who was a soldier. He was a general. He was a product of his time. He was doing his job, as were these other Confederate soldiers and Confederate officers. They were doing their job. Uh, you know, this wasn't mass genocide. Yes, slavery was horrific. Horrific. Needed to end. Absolutely. And yet, you know, and yet the funny part was this wasn't the the war between the states. People keep saying, well, it was about slavery. Well, no, it really wasn't. It was about money. It's about the the economy. Slavery was a was a was a uh, uh, the end of slavery was kind of a byproduct. Abraham Lincoln actually fought against the idea of abolishing slavery for a little while. But it needed to end. And when the South was defeated, it did end. Unfortunately, formal slavery ended, but racism didn't go away. It still hasn't. But we need to teach our children, and we need to keep these symbols there and say, this is who Robert E. Lee was, this is what he did, and this is what the Confederate States stood for, and, you know, that's what we should be doing. We should not be tearing away our history. What's next? You know, I... I, I, I shudder to think, you know, what could happen. Uh, the anniversary of 9-11 is coming up. Can you ever imagine a day where, like, the memorial to the victims at 9-11 would be taken away? I can't. But just imagine for a moment something, uh, and I don't know what it could be, but something happens and somebody says, you know, 
9-11. There, there are people, there are conspiracy theorists, by the way, that think that the United States uh, did 9-11 itself, that we, we perpetrated it so that uh, we could do what we did in the Middle East. There are people that actually believe that. There are people that actually believe that the United States knew what was going on with 9-11, encouraged it, and did nothing. I've never heard a dumber thing in my life. But there are people that believe that. But let's say, you know, this 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 conspiracy theory goes on and people enough people start to believe it and all of a sudden they say wow 9-11 is not what we thought it was you know what let's take away that we need that real estate in 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 manhattan let's just it wasn't that important it was just a government it was a government conspiracy we don't we don't want to highlight that let's just let's just make that go away can you ever imagine i can't but that's the kind of thing that that scares me when it's a very slippery slope that we are on when you start erasing history, because then the question is, what's next? You know, we've already there's already people that are practically canceling George Washington and, and uh, Thomas Jefferson because they own slaves. I'm serious. Oh, they weren't the great men you think they were. They own slaves. It's a product of the time. We have to we that's the problem that we have today is that people don't look at what has gone on in this country in context. You can't have 2021 standards applied to people that lived in the 17 and 1800s it was a different time it was that was about as foreign if you took george washington and put him in 2021 that would be as foreign as you and me getting dropped onto mars and saying here good luck seriously he would have no idea what to do it wasn't the same world. So to to ascribe our values and our mores to people from the 1700s is silly. We need to put it in context. We need to remember what happened. We need to make sure things like that never happen again. It's the same reason why, you know, the Jewish people have the, the Holocaust memorials and everything because they're and why they talk about it, because it is one of those things. It's they're they're. Their catchphrase is never forget. And if we continue to take away our history and the the history of the Civil War, whether we liked the fact that it happened, whether we're embarrassed about the fact that it happened or not, it's a fact and we must never forget. And the more that the reminders go away, the bigger the chance becomes that all of a sudden we forget. I mean, this country was close to a civil war. Look what Donald Trump did to this country. Donald Trump practically, you know, practically tore this country in half. And we, we may never recover from that, or, or it's going to take a long, long time. God forbid that idiot get back in, in, into uh, uh, office again. What happened at the Capitol building at the end of his, at the end of his presidency is the beginning of what have could be a civil war if we don't figure out how to come back together. That was, I, I mean, I still, the images from that day are burned in my mind. So we must never forget. But the city of Richmond, Virginia, and the state of Virginia, by doing this, are appealing and trying to appease the masses. And it's a mistake, and it is a very very dangerous thing, in my opinion. Okay, that is my commentary for this morning. Uh, 
for those of you that uh, stayed with me, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's just something as somebody who has read as much as I have, and, and I have a, a very large uh, collection of history books, always have. I've been fascinated by history my entire life. Majored in English, but love history. Uh, it's difficult for me to see things like this. It's just, and it's something that I am definitely passionate about. So thank you for sticking in there. Uh, today is Hall of Fame Day. Derek Jeter is finally going into the Hall of Fame. Um, the 57th player in the Hall of Fame uh, to be elected on the first ballot. One vote shy of becoming the second unanimous pick. Of course, the only one who was uh, who was was Mariana Rivera. Uh, some idiot actually didn't vote for Derek Jeter, I, which, which you just look at that and you go, you're just an idiot. You know, whether you, I don't care what team you root for. Derek Jeter uh, is someone that is, he, look, uh, is, I saw this the other day. Was, is Derek, where does Derek Jeter rank in the, uh, in the pantheon of baseball all time? Is Derek Jeter one of the top 10 players to ever play the game of baseball. Now, he's, I think, sixth all-time in hits. Is he one of the top 10 best players ever in Major League Baseball? Uh, if you're a Yankee fan, you obviously think that. I, and, and I don't believe he's one of the top 10 players ever to play the game. I do think he is in the conversation. I think he's you know easily in the top 30, 40, yes, absolutely. I don't think he's one of the, uh, one of the top 10. But this is a guy that had a stellar career. It's a guy that played the game the right way. It's a guy that, as a, as a fan of the Boston Red Sox, he was one of the few Yankee players I would have said, hey, I'd like to have him on my team because he was a classy dude. Um, so, you know, uh, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He should have been a first ballot guy. You know, I don't know whether he's one of the 10 best. I don't think he is, but be that as it may, he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and he'll finally get his chance today after uh, the pandemic postponed it for a year. Going to be a strange ceremony. Usually uh, on a weekend, we're doing it in the middle of the week, school in session. Uh, they thought there was going to be a huge crowd there. The largest crowd ever, by the way, was back in 2007 when Cal Ripken Jr. and Tony Gwynn went in at the same time. How about that? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, they don't know what the crowd's going to be like today, but it's not going to be 82,000. It just can't be, you know, uh, not not with everything going on with the pandemic and, and school and everything. But uh, he will go in, of course, along with uh, Larry Walker of the Colorado Rockies. Ted Simmons, a former great catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, played for a few other teams. I think he played for the Brewers as well. Um, uh, and Marvin Miller, who uh, was really the is really the reason why we have the labor union that we have now, the reason why players make the kind of money that they make. If it weren't for Marvin Miller, um, it would probably be, well, we, you know, we mentioned slavery a little while ago. It still would be pretty much close to that or indentured servitude uh, the way it used to be in the old days of baseball where it was there, there was no free agency. It was damn near impossible for players to uh, go to another team unless they got traded. Uh, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't bargain your salary, you know, uh, Marvin Miller made all that happen. So uh, that will all happen today. Uh, I believe the induction is at 1.30 this afternoon. Because of the pandemic uh, and uh, 
there have been a bunch of deaths of Hall of Famers uh, over the last year and a half. We've lost eight members of the Hall of Fame in the last year and a half. I mean, you know, and uh, uh, two years ago, the last time they did an induction, 58 members of the Hall of Fame were there. This year, because of the pandemic and all the deaths, there's only going to be 31 former Hall of Famers um, at the uh, the induction ceremony today. But uh, I'll be watching. You know, you don't have to be uh, a Yankee fan to enjoy the moment for these guys. Uh, you know, and Derek Jeter is only one of them. Uh, I, I'm I'm Larry Walker is a guy that I thought it should have been in the Hall of Fame. Wasn't because people said, well, he played in Colorado, so his stats don't count. You know, uh, you know, and and uh, and he's a very self-effacing guy, and uh, I am I'm looking forward to that. And Ted Simmons is a guy that um, was on the ballot for a long, long time, didn't make it. Finally, the Veterans Committee put him in, and uh, so uh, he'll go in today. So I'll enjoy that as well. So that's coming up. I think uh, Major League Baseball Network has it. I believe one thirty this afternoon. It's thirty minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We come back. We'll talk about the Red Sox debacle last night. Some. Some special moments or, or one huge moment in Major League Baseball last night. It was uh, so fun to see. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. So the Red Sox took one on the chin last night. No other way to put it. After a tough one the night before when they lost to the Rays 11-10 to after having a 7-1 lead and then some absolutely horrendous defensive uh, work. Yesterday, uh, they got punched in the mouth. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. They got down in this one 12-1. to By the end of the top of the seventh inning, the Red Sox were losing 12-1. to Eduardo Rodriguez got the start, lasted three and two-thirds inning, gave up eight hits, six runs. So in this big series against the Rays, the Red Sox throw their two best pitchers, Chris Sale and Eddie Rodriguez, and they lose them both. And not only do they lose them both, they give up 23 runs and 27 hits <laughs> in those two games. Ouch. I mean, there's no other way. <laughs> there's no other way to put that. Um, and the Red Sox tried to make it look pretty uh, by scoring uh, four in the eighth and a couple runs in the ninth, but this one was over early. Uh, Tampa hits five home runs last night. It was just gross. <laughs> um, Nelson Cruz, 41 years old, two homers last night. Oh, not only just did he have two homers, uh, he also had a single and a double, uh, drove in four. At 41 years of age, he became the oldest player in Major League history to hit 30 home runs in a season. I mean, this guy who came over in a trade from the Minnesota Twins has been unreal. I mean, we're only a week into September, so you know we still have plenty of time left. But it's, since the calendar ticked to September, uh, he's hitting 375 with four homers, 11 runs scored, and 10 runs batted in in, uh, what, seven days. That's a hell of a week. So, you know, this guy, uh, yeah, look, it helps that he's a, just a designated hitter a lot like it helped David Ortiz when he was playing for Boston because he doesn't have to play the field. Uh, but uh, unbelievable. So Tampa increases its lead in the American League East over the Red Sox to 10, nine and a half over the Yankees because the Yankees lose as well. 
Yankees have now lost four straight. Uh, look, the Red Sox did a nice job. You know, they've been dealing with this COVID thing. At one time, they had, I think, 12 guys on the COVID list. They got a couple of them back yesterday. Kike Hernandez came back. Uh, Danny Santana came back. But uh, Nick Pavetta, who they lost on Sunday, tested positive. Now, fortunately, it's asymptomatic. Um, but uh, he's still going to be out uh, for a little while. Uh, Xander Bogarts could be activated by Friday, but they've been missing him. I mean, it was so bad that they had to get Jose Iglesias, former Red Sox uh, player, came up with the Red Sox, and they traded him back uh, uh, back in 2013 in a deal that got them Jake Peavy. Um, but now he's back because they had to have somebody play shortstop. And uh, so he's back, and he started at shortstop for the second straight game. But, you know, look, so they did a pretty good job navigating that for a little bit with you know most of their relief staff out and a lot of starters out. And uh, now you get your two best pitchers in there. You expect them to win these games. It's unreal. You know, and, and look, the Red Sox have been very fortunate in that the Yankees have decided to go to sleep at the same time. Uh, the Oakland Athletics are struggling. They've lost four in a row. The Seattle Mariners have lost a couple in a row. You know, so everybody that was chasing the Red Sox has been awful. With the exception of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I mentioned the Yankees losing last night. Well, it was to those Toronto Blue Jays, 5-1. to one. Um, a lot was made about this game last night in that Garrett Cole left the game early uh, with hamstring tightness in the fourth inning. They don't think it's serious. They don't know for sure. There's no MRI scheduled. They're going to kind of see how he responds. They think he's going to be able to make his, his next start. But here's the deal. You know, Garrett Cole leaving this game probably wasn't the difference. He was losing when they left the game. He was down 3-1 when he left. He wasn't great last night. I mean, right out, look, the last time out, he was, you know, seven shutout innings against the Angels, struck out 15 guys. Last night, he had given up five hits, three runs, a couple of walks in three and two-thirds. So he wasn't great before that. Falls to 14-7. and seven. I mean, it wasn't a train wreck, but his team was losing when he left, and uh, the way that Steven Matz and that bullpen performed last night, you know, this one was over. So, you know, just when you the Yankees were hot as hell, now it's like that Jekyll and Hyde thing again. So, uh, but with that win by Toronto, they pull within two games of the Red Sox for the second wild card and two and a half from the Yankees for the first wild card. I mean, that's the other thing with Boston. You know, you look at this, they've had opportunities for the last four days that if they could have gotten a victory, or the last three days, if they could have gotten a victory, they would have been in position for the number one wild card. Uh, now, they'll finish their series up with Tampa today. Um, Nate Valdi, one of their other top pitchers, will be on the hill today uh, against uh, Shane McClanahan. The Sox need to get this one uh, because the Yankees will be sending a rookie, Luis Heal. Now, Heal's been really good, hasn't given up an earned run yet, but the rookie is going up against Alec Manoa, another rookie for Toronto. But Alec Manoa has been great. He's 5-2 and two with a 3.63 ERA. Uh, the last time uh, he faced the Yankees, it was his season debut or his major league debut, and he threw six shutout innings, allowed just two hits. 
But uh, Heal has been really good as well. 15 and two-thirds scoreless innings through his first three starts. So, uh, But the Toronto Blue Jays, six wins in a row, nine of the last ten, and they are breathing down the necks of the Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Uh, I mentioned the Chicago White Sox. They are, uh, excuse me, the uh, Oakland Athletics. They dropped their fourth in a row. They lose to the White Sox last night, six to three. Uh, it was the return of Tony Larusa to Oakland, uh, where he was a the longtime manager for the Oakland Athletics, won a World Series there, um, and uh, last night. Uh, they beat the A's. The A's have uh, really stumbled. They're not getting the great pitching. Their bullpen, which has been so good uh, through the year, stumbled last night. James Caprillion got the start, only managed to make it through four innings. And then A.J. Puck and uh, Jeffries came out of the bullpen and got rocked. And uh, the White Sox, who already pretty much have their division wrapped up uh, with an easy win last night. Frankie Montas is going to try... Uh, to win the se- the win the series finale tonight, he is eleven and nine with a three six eight Dallas Keuchel, uh, who has not won in his last three starts. He's zero and two. Uh, he will get the start tonight for Chicago. He's eight and eight overall, but he's got an ERA of over five. Uh, so the A's maybe with an opportunity tonight. But uh, th- it looked like the Seattle Mariners last night were going to beat the. Houston Astros. Matter of fact, I turned this. I was watching this game and I turned it off. That'll teach me. Uh, Seattle had a four-two lead uh, going into the bottom of the ninth. Guess what? Houston ties it in the ninth um, on a Alex Bregman two-run shot off the train tracks in left field in the bottom of the ninth, and then Carlos Correa drives home the winning run in the bottom of the tenth inning, and Chicago comes back to stun the As- uh, the Mariners uh, five to four. After the game, uh, Dusty Baker said this might uh, have been our best win of the year, our biggest win of the year, and there's no doubt about it because right now, uh, if they had lost that game last night, Seattle would have been within four and a half of the lead. But uh, Houston, uh, which had not been playing great baseballs late of late, wins the uh, second straight game against the Mariners. They will send uh, Houston Jose Urquidy to the mound tonight. Tyler Anderson. Uh, who came over from the Pittsburgh Pirates and has been pretty good since coming over from the Pirates is going to get the start for the Mariners uh, tonight as they try to chase down the Red Sox. They are three back right now of the Red Sox in uh, the wild card race for that second wild card spot. Oakland three and a half back. Uh, so both those teams uh, still in the race but going in the wrong direction. Now, the moment of the night last night. This was, you know, you, you talk about Hollywood, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you couldn't, people say you couldn't write this. Albert Pujols returns to St. Louis last night. Albert Pujols, who played there from 2001 to 2011 and was otherworldly. He is a god in St. Louis. People were distraught when he signed as a free agent to leave the Cardinals, to go to Los Angeles and play for the Angels. I mean, people just were beside themselves. And since signing with the Angels, he hadn't been back to St. Louis until 2019. He went back there uh, as a member of the Angels uh, for a three-game series, had 12 at-bats in that series, got a standing ovation in every one of them. Every one of them. 
So now, of course, uh, he got released by the Angels earlier this year. He's 41 years old, heading towards the end of the of his career. A lot of people think he'll retire at the end of this year. I still think he's going to play one more year. I, I would not be shocked if he comes back one more year. He, he doesn't have a contract. I could see him signing a contract with the Cardinals next year and retiring as a St. Louis Cardinal. Would not shock me at all. But anyway, he comes back last night as a member of the Dodgers, comes up in the first inning, as soon as his name is announced, he gets a standing ovation. Must have lasted a minute. Um, uh, his longtime teammate, uh, Yadi Molina, the catcher for the Cardinals, uh, actually came out from behind the plate, walked in front of the plate, just kind of as a, ma- a way of respect to allow the crowd to show their appreciation for Pujols last night. Uh, then he actually gave Albert a hug before getting back behind the plate. And on the fourth pitch that Albert Pujols saw from Jay Happ in this, he crushed it over the left field wall. It was the 679th home run of his career, his 17th homer of the season, and what a great, great moment uh, for Albert Pujols. Uh, it was the beginning of the of a, a good night for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, they ended up crushing uh, the St. Louis Cardinals 7-2 last night. The Cardinals are... You know, they were in the race for a while in the NL Central, but they have gone south, so they lose their fourth in a row. And Pujols, uh, just, uh, just, uh, it's one of those moments. I, and I wasn't watching it live, uh, but I saw the highlight. And I had, you know, as soon as you saw they were going, cutting there for the highlights, you went, oh, something, something good happened. And it's one of those moments, at least for me, and, you know, call me a sap or whatever, but being the big baseball fan that I am, uh, it, I got goosebumps. It was so cool. And, look, he struggled with the Angels this year. The Angels released him, and I get it. I mean, he was hitting 198, really wasn't doing a lot. But he has been a huge part of this Dodger team. Since coming over to the Dodgers, he has re- hit a respectable 260. He has hit 12 homers for the Dodgers in, like, 169 at-bats. He's driven in 37. Uh, his OPS is almost 800. I mean, he is he's never going to be the Albert Pujols he was in St. Louis. What he did in St. Louis was ridiculous. You know, as a member of the Cardinals, this is a guy that probably hit, um, I would say his, his career batting average as a member of the Cardinals was, uh, was somewhere around 330. Uh, routinely hitting 35 to 45 home runs a season, driving in 100 runs. He drove in 100 runs for the Cardinals for 10 straight years. The only year he didn't drive in 100 runs was his last year in St. Louis, and he drove in 99, <laughs> right? I mean, so you can understand why people in St. Louis love this man the way they do, and what a great moment for him last night. It was very cool. Uh, in addition to that, Justin Turner hit a couple of home runs. Uh, Will Smith homered in the game. Uh, but the uh, the Dodgers beat the Cardinals last night 7-2, to and uh, it was a bullpen game. Corey Knable got the start, only lasted an inning, and then they just ran uh, eight more relievers out there. It was ridiculous. They used nine pitchers in nine innings last night. Uh, so the Dodgers keep pace with the Giants, uh, who won their game last night. We're going to take a break. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 49 minutes past the hour. I just got a message from somebody, and I apologize. I guess during that last segment, uh, an interview I did with Dan Zampano last week was running at the same time. 
so uh, I apologize. I, I have no idea. I could not hear that that was going on. I don't know how the hell I did it. Uh, j- let's just say that I was brilliant. That last uh, 10, 12 minutes that you missed, I was fabulous. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I mentioned the uh, uh, the Dodgers keeping pace with the Giants. The Giants crushed the Rockies yesterday in Colorado, 12-3. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski with another home run yesterday, the 22nd of the season, a career high for him. The Giants just hit home runs like to beat the band. They lead the major leagues, 207 home runs this year. Uh, solid start for Logan Webb last night. Seven innings, nine hits, just three runs. Did not walk anybody. Picked up his ninth win of the season. And the Giants pick up win number 89. They remain a game ahead of the Dodgers in the American League West race. Uh, the next game in that series comes up tonight. Anthony DiScalfani with his 11 wins will take on John Gray. Um in that one tonight. Uh, Blake Snell for the San Diego Padres has been on fire. His last three games uh, for the Padres, he has struck out like 40 guys, and he has only allowed, I want to say, uh, four hits. He's held batters to a uh, batting average of 071 in his last four starts. He set uh, he he set a franchise record thirteen and two thirds consecutive hitless innings. He got pulled after six innings, I believe, the last time or six or seven innings. He had a no hitter. They pulled him out. Well, last night he had a perfect game for six innings before he walked the guy, and then with two outs in the seventh, he ended up giving up a hit. They take him out of the game, uh, and then the San Diego Padre bullpen implodes, and they end up losing the game. <laughs> the Angels beat the Padres 4-0 despite the fact that Blake Snell had a perfect game through six and a no-hitter through six and two-thirds. Uh, that was a brutal one last night. Uh, so the Padres are, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, uh, you know, they have no chance of catching anybody, and I don't even think I, – I have a feeling that they are going to not make the playoffs. And this is a team that not only did I think would make the playoffs, I had them go into the World Series. I thought that the Dodgers would win the division, the Padres would get the wild card, and then the Padres would beat the Dodgers uh, in the playoffs and end up going to the World Series. I, I'm, I'm, I'm now of the mind that this team, uh, for whatever reason, with, despite the pitching talent that they appear to have, despite you know uh, everything, I think the Cincinnati Reds may edge them out for that final wild card spot. Yeah, I'd like to see the Padres make it. My buddy Don Arcillo is their broadcaster. I'd love to see him make it, but I am uh, pessimistic at this point. Uh, they are nine games uh, right now, or excuse me, yeah, uh, 15 games back of San Francisco. So that the division's out. They're 14 back of the Dodgers for the num- number one wild card. That's out. They are tied with the Reds right now. Uh, the Reds have played a couple more games, but they are tied in the standings for the wild card for that last spot. So uh, I hope they figure it out, but I am pessimistic at this point. Uh, A couple other quick notes. The AP Top 25 for football came out. Alabama, of course, remains number one after uh, kicking the crap out of the University of Miami in week number one. But Georgia, who upset Clemson 
uh, in the opening week. Uh, it was uh, it wasn't a pretty game. It was ten three was the final. But Georgia, with that upset, actually got four first place votes, and they are number two uh, in the poll. Ohio State, who uh, had to struggle a little bit to beat Minnesota last week, they are uh, the number three team. Oklahoma's four. Texas A and M sits at number five, and uh, Clemson drops down to number six. It is the first time that Clemson has been out of the top four since 2017. Uh, uh, other notes in the top 25, uh, UCLA in the top 25 for the first time since 2017. Uh, you know, but look, they're 2-0. and They beat LSU this week 38-27. to so uh, that uh, catapulted them into the top 25. They are sitting at number 16. Virginia Tech and Mississippi uh, also jumping into the top 25, as did Auburn. Auburn has the number 25 slot. They have now been ranked uh, for at least one week in uh, nine straight seasons. So that's where we stand in college football. And uh, some sad news to report. Sam Bam Cunningham. Sam Cunningham, who is the all-time leading rusher in New England Patriots history, uh, passed away yesterday in California at the age of 71. Uh, he was the star running back for the Patriots back when uh, my family had season tickets uh, when I was a teenager. He was the first-round pick uh, by the Patriots out of Southern Cal in 1973. Uh, played for the Patriots for nine years. Uh, rushed for almost 5,500 yards, but uh, uh, was a great, great running back. Uh, through the 1970s, he was probably uh, my favorite player on the Patriots. He and, uh, you know, probably him and, uh, yeah, well, probably him and, and Jim Plunkett because Jim Plunkett was the quarterback for the Patriots when I first started uh, going to games there. But uh, cause of death isn't known. And by the way, it, you know, and it's funny, I knew Randall Cunningham played in the NFL for a long time. He was NFL, he was quarterback for 16 years in the NFL. I had forgotten that he was actually Sam Bam Cunningham's younger brother, but uh, he passed away uh, in California yesterday at the age of 71. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from David Kirsch. This is called If I Never Stop Loving You. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. <laughs>